Gentlemen, welcome to the Institute of Men podcast. My name is Keaton, and it is Wisdom Wednesday, where the big idea is this. If you get wisdom, you get everything else. You can have better success at work, better relationships, better uh, financial management. Everything gets better. You'll make better decisions when you get wisdom. And if you think about it, the opposite of acting with wisdom is being foolish and foolishness leads nowhere. So if you get wisdom, you get everything else. Like I said, my name is Keaton Tucker. I am the host of the Institute of Men podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And if you would leave us a five-star review, that really helps me out. And then you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you go over to YouTube and you type in my name on YouTube or Institute of Men, you will find my brand new YouTube channel that I started just a couple weeks ago. You'll also see some sermons that I have preached in the past. I can't promise they're any good, but they are there. I am putting the podcast on YouTube as well as additional content, including uh, teaching how to pray the Psalms and book recommendations. I'm going to have a course on there, stuff like that. I'm putting additional content on YouTube. Typically, the podcast will be a shortened version of the podcast, but it's all on YouTube. So don't forget, subscribe to YouTube, subscribe on your favorite podcast player, and make me exceedingly famous. Just kidding. (laughs) Don't do that. Just if you enjoy the content, please subscribe. If you don't enjoy what I am putting out, just pretend I don't exist, and that helps me out also. I don't think I've ever shared how I came to read Proverbs the way I read Proverbs. You know, if you've listened to Wisdom Wednesday in the past, you know that we take whatever day it is, we go to the book of Proverbs, we look at that chapter, and then we pull out a verse from that chapter, and we typically focus on that verse or a series of verses. But I don't think I've ever shared with you how where I got that methodology from. And I actually got it from my parents. My parents instilled in all of us a love and a devotion to the book of Proverbs within the Bible. Is it the only book of wisdom in the Bible? No, but it is probably the pinnacle of wisdom in the Bible. And yeah, I think that's a true statement. It's a pinnacle of wisdom in the Bible. And there's 31 chapters. So you can read a chapter every single day without burdening yourself and get the wisdom inside of you and learn. And and then over time, because you're reading it frequently, you can really start to understand how the Proverbs work. So I have been reading Proverbs, every a chapter of Proverbs, every single day for almost, I think, eight years, nine years, probably something like that, every single day. So you figure, I've read Proverbs chapter six, like we're going to read today, at least 80 times. Now, there were months where I didn't read Proverbs. There were days that I missed, of course, of course. But I have probably read this chapter at least 80 times, which is, you figure my mom and dad, they've been doing that practice for at least 40 years because they old, at least 40 years times 12 times, you know, however many chapters you like, that's a lot of times of reading the Proverbs over and over and over. And and that's how you get it in you. You get this kind of wisdom in you by repetition, not one and done onto the next revelation, but repeating, repeating reps, getting the same thing into you over and over, meditating on it until you understand it, picking it apart, going deep, understanding the implications of each word and each phrase and each verse, all those things. So, even though I am sharing with you things that I have learned reading the Proverbs and studying the Proverbs and learned from other people, what you're going to want to do, if you want to get wisdom, you want to read the book of Proverbs every single day. Read a chapter a day. Pick So today's 
the when I am recording this, it is September 6th. Go to Proverbs chapter 6 and just read the chapter. And then next month, you'll do it again. And the month after that, you'll do it again. And, and you'll eventually, you will have that in your mind. Today's proverb is Proverbs chapter 6. And we're actually going to go verses 1 through 5. We're going to do five verses today. And this is what it says. My son, if you've put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger. If you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth. Then do this, my son, save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep, give your eyelids no slumber, save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. This passage is a favorite of Dave Ramsey. If you've listened to Dave Ramsey before or you've seen his keynotes or watched his DVDs or gone through Financial Peace University, you have seen him give a keynote talk on this verse and it always goes along with getting out of debt, always. I remember the first time I got to see it live and it was awesome. I'm pretty sure it was the first time I saw it live. It may have been the second, but my mom and I went to go see Dave Ramsey live in Denver, I think I was 23, and he's talking about getting out of debt, and he pulls out this big chain link thing, and he starts, he wraps it around his neck and talks about one area of debt that people have, and then he gets his leg caught in there, and then he gets his arm caught in there, and before you know it, he is bound up in chains by all these debts and payments that he has. He is trapped, and then you see in the background this gazelle outrunning a lion and he calls it gazelle intensity and he gets all fired up and starts doing Dave Ramsey things that I can't imitate because I'm not Dave Ramsey but it is a fired up kind of moment and everybody in the crowd is like applauding 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 and people are cheering it's an inspiring moment because people understand people who are in a lot of debt who have been making payments on payments on payments they get a check every couple weeks for three thousand dollars and by they get it on friday and by the next tuesday their account is down to three hundred dollars because they paid the car they paid the mortgage they paid the groceries they paid their credit card they paid for their student loans they just kept payments 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 it's a form of slavery debt is a form of slavery and it makes you feel like you're bound up. It's a terrible one. The accumulation of debt, though, you think about it, it comes from being trapped in the words of your mouth. Now, in the world of computers, we sign away ourselves the debt without speaking, but there's words on those pieces of paper that we agree to, or in a moment of impulsivity, we are you know, acting it out in our mind, and we're, sometimes we're in dire situations where it feels like there's no other option, and we place ourselves in debt. And it doesn't seem that bad. So let's say, for example, you need a new car. Uh, Without looking into the motivation for why you need a new car, some people need a new car because it's a dire situation. Some people need a car because it's two years since they bought their last car. They just need a new car. They feel it. Without looking into the motivation of a car, let's just say you need a new one. You play the mental gymnastics to justify spending $30,000, $35,000 on a car but you don't have $35,000, so you take out a loan. It's $450 a month. You've looked at it at budget. You're like, I can pay that. Okay, I got it. I've got the cash. Maybe I'll get a raise. Some Things are going to be looking well. Okay, you sign the paper, and six months later, it's getting harder and harder to justify your $450 car payment that you've signed on to for the next five 
years. Because really, when you look at buying a car, you think you're signing up for a payment. You're signing up for a, a total amount that's not going away. You know, you don't, you, you're signing up for thirty-five grand. You're not signing up for four hundred and fifty. But the four hundred and fifty every single month just wears on you. Just drains your bank account. Drains your bank account. Drains your bank account. Which is one of the reasons. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons. America's credit card total is so skyrocket high. I didn't look it up, but I hit, I remember hearing it. It's like higher than it's ever been. The same thing happens with credit cards. Uh, maybe even more so with credit cards than with cars. For sure, more often with credit cards. I'll just pay it later. You know, you say you just swipe the card. I'll just I'll just pay it later, and then the payment comes around and you're trapped. You had cash, now you don't have cash because you have to pay what past you spent. And you're trapped. Past you always finds a way to entrap present you and future you. You know, that's why you got to be wise and think with prudence. <clears throat> Some people, verse one, uh, if we go back up to verse one, verse one says this. It says, my son, if you have given up security for your neighbor and have given your pledge to a stranger. So some people, they're not swiping the credit card for themselves. They're not taking out a car loan for themselves. They're doing it for other people. Some people become trapped because they take on the irresponsibility of other people. A well-meaning man, he might see somebody in need, he might see a son in need, and he agrees to either lend them some money or co-sign on a loan, whether it's a student loan, a car loan, a mortgage. And the receiver of that loan is begins to be irresponsible, doesn't pay, and guess who's on the hook now? Not The irresponsible person is, but also you. That's why it says if you're trapped in the words of, if you've put up security for a stranger and now you're trapped, you need to do everything to get out. And in fact, just don't do that. Do not put up security for another person. It's not loving to back an irresponsible person because it keeps them from the consequences and places the consequences on you and now it hurts your family and everybody else who depends on you. Don't do it. You might be well-meaning, but it's also foolish and now you are stuck. This happens all the time. So the verse, Dave Ramsey always uses this verse in the context of money. At least I've only ever heard him use it in the context of money. But, but there are other times and other ways that we get ourselves stuck that are not financially related. And it still has to do with the words we use, the things we say and the things we promise. If you're entrapped by the words of your mouth, if they've become a snare, you and I, we somehow find a way to get ourselves stuck, trapped, snared because of the words we say and the words we know we shouldn't say, but we say anyway. As an example, I'm going to use my wife as an example. My sweet, sweet, wonderful wife does this all the time with our weekend plans. She gets us trapped with her words on our weekend plans. So a couple weeks ago, we decided that we were not going to, we were invited to a end of summer children's party. So a bunch of people with their kids were bringing them over to this person's house so that the adults could have an adult party and the kids could jump in the bouncy house and eat snacks. It was the end of summer kids party. And we had a full weekend and we agreed like, we're not going to go to that party. We're not going to go to that party. And I think if I remember correctly, our daughter was a little sick, just, just a little bit, not enough to be concerned, but just enough to be like, ah, oh, she's sick. We can't go. Shucks darn. Ah, so we decide we're not going to go right as we decide not to go. We were on a walk. My sweet, sweet wife got a phone call from her friend 
about something unrelated and they start to talk about the thing that's unrelated to the party, but then it gets around to the party. They're just, you know, they're chit chatting and the friend asks, are you going? And then Chelsea's like, oh, you know what? Probably not. Probably. I don't think so. I don't know if we've decided. And then her friend goes, well, you should go. Why not go? Just go for a little, you know, just progressively got worse. And my sweet, sweet wife, instead of saying we aren't going and here's why, just goes, yeah, I guess we will go. I'll see you there. And I'm standing right there wondering if she just signed away my weekend or spoke away my weekend to tell her friend we're going to this party. We had just said we're not going to. And she hangs up the phone and I go, love, love, love. Did you just commit us to that party? And she she responds, she goes, yes, I did. I didn't want to disappoint her. And there it is. That's the trap. Not to pick on my wife because we have all done it. It's just a funny story. But that's the trap. I didn't want to disappoint her. You and I, we as men have this, all people really, but we as men, we don't want to disappoint somebody or for other reasons. And so we don't actually tell the truth. The proper response to the initial question, are you going to the party, should have been, you know, in a perfect world, we're not going, we decided we're not going to go, here's the reason why. That's the proper response. The improper response, in order to kind of leave a vagueness and not disappoint and leave it up to uh, the leave it up to perceived flakiness or maybe we're just busy with something else or we're trying to decide between multiple options instead of painting that kind of picture that's the picture we we typically paint that's what my wife had done you know that's what I have done in the past where we kind of paint this picture of well I've got this option and this option maybe I'll go maybe I won't I can't commit I can't tell the truth and say I'm not going this is why So we get trapped in the words of our mouth because we don't want to disappoint. We fall into the snare by the words of our mouth because we don't want to disappoint. We don't want to let people down. We don't want to make someone angry. We, you know, it's usually a friend or a family member. We have, I would call it a fear of man, which is also a trap. The Bible says that a fear of man is a trap, which leads to us to like say things that are not true, that are falsity, and it traps us. So here's some very simple examples. These these are common ones. I've said them. You've probably said them. You leave a breakup with somebody, but you say, we can still be friends. No. <clears throat> no. No, you can't. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Or better yet, here's one that's really common with you young 20-somethings. That girl you like friend zones you, and because you don't want to accept that it's never going to happen, you agree that you can just be friends. I promise you, it only gets worse from you if you try that. If she friend zones you, but says, because she's just trying to, you know, she's entrapping herself by saying, well, we can just be friends, we can hang out, but I just don't want to be boyfriend, girlfriend. If she friend zones you like that, she is creating a trap for herself, and the trap is you, because you don't actually, you have something in you that says, well, I could win her over. My life is a romance movie. We're not, there's plenty of stories of people working each other. No. Bad way to live. Don't do it. You're going to make things worse for her and for you later. Don't get, fall for that trap. Another simple example. You're in an argument with a friend, but instead of telling the full truth, you soften the blow by lying. You know, that's something that people do. You don't tell the full truth, um, and someone uses that against you. You tell a partial truth, 
And then later somebody, usually in an argument, somebody brings that up again and says, well, this is what you said. And now you're trapped. And now you have to say, well, I didn't tell the full truth or I lied. That's something that happens. You make a promise you can't keep, but it sounds good in the moment. Oh, this one might be, this is a simple example that'll be common, I think, for a lot of people. Your boss asks you if you can take one more thing on your plate, but you don't have the courage to say no. You're afraid that you'll get in trouble, that you'll lose influence, that he will insist, or you're not going to get that promotion, something. So you say, instead of saying, no, I can't take more on my plate, you say, yes, and a few weeks later, you're drowning, and now you have anger and frustration and contempt for your boss, because he should have known. No, dude. You should have told the truth. Don't don't fall for the, tem- tem- the temptation. Excuse me. Do not fall for the temptation to not tell the truth, to get ensnared by the words of your mouth. Here's some like more complex examples. You do not state what you believe about Christianity and its teaching because you don't want to, quote, offend somebody, even though those people typically have no problem offending you. You ever notice that? You say a Christian truth and people get all offended, but you need to willingly accept whatever they say is true. And for whatever reason, so many Christians these days are like, oh, yeah, I guess. They play like the doubt card because they've got no courage inside of them. Uh, for example, you don't say that abortion is wrong or that marriage is between one man and one woman You just, or that all religions are the same. You just can't say it. Somebody outside of the church might oppose you and say, well, I have a problem with that. And instead of being like, I don't care that you have a problem with what my religion, my church teaches is good, right, and true. You you cave. You're like, ah, it might be. This is just is. I don't know. No, dude, we know. Don't trap yourself in the in the words of your mouth because every time you cave like that to somebody, it allows them to take ground and it weakens the church. The church is the beacon and the pillar of the truth. That's written in in First Timothy three fifteen. The beacon and the buttress of the truth, or the pillar and the buttress of the truth, is the church. So, and every time you tell a lie, you weaken the beacon or the but the buttress and the beacon of the truth. Don't do it. You make caveats. Here's another example. You make caveats and try to explain away what you believe in order to be more comfortable. But really, you and I, we both know what we're doing. We're being cowards. We prefer peace more than righteousness, which is choosing unrighteous peace, and it's false. It's a temporary form of peace, and it will come back to bite you and me in the butt. And I think really what this comes down to is the difference between fear and trust. Fear and trust. I think that's what is different. When you tell the truth, you automatically give up your ability to control what happens. Automatically. When you don't tell the truth, when you use your words to kind of not necessarily intentionally deceive or intentionally lie, but you don't tell the full truth. When you use your words to try to manipulate and control a situation as to not disappoint, or you're intentionally vague as to not confuse or disappoint, <clears throat> what you're, you're responding out of fear. You're responding out of fear. Because to tell the truth is to surrender the outcome of whatever happens. If you tell the truth, you can't control how other people will respond. Like, at all. When we trap ourselves in our words, it's because we're fearful and we're trying to control the outcome of people's responses or the outcome of the situation, which you can't do anyway. You can't actually control the outcome because it's actually, it's a trap. It's going to come back to get you. So you can be vague with your words or deceitful with your words and it'll trap your future self, or you can be honest 
and surrender that form of control to whatever, to, to the Lord, to God, to, to your friend's emotions. Often, I think, um, I think we don't want to, maybe of good of heart, we don't want to disappoint people. We don't want to anger people by, you know, saying what is true. So, for example, if we reject that party invitation, there's a good chance people, they're going to be disappointed in us that we didn't go, that we didn't make their priority or their party a priority. Okay, They're, they are allowed to feel those emotions. I don't think I'm protecting them when I manipulate my words. I'm protecting myself because I don't want them to be disappointed with me. I want them to think more highly of me than that. And how could I possibly be somebody who lets someone down? No, th- that's, that is a trap. That is a trap. Don't fall for it. In moments you know, the, of uncomfortability, we're tempted to say things that we do not mean or we do not believe to dissolve some of the comfort in the moment, but it's going to come back to get you. You can't control anything by altering your words. You just can't. It, it'll come back to get you or <laughs> immediately or later. So we might as well practice telling the truth, speaking simply and directly, letting our yes be yes and our no be no, and getting over how people respond to our honest responses. Or the way Jordan Peterson puts it, tell the truth, but at the very least, don't lie. That's yeah, that's a chapter in his book, 12 Rules for Life. Tell the truth, but at the very least, don't lie. So how do we solve this problem? How do we solve pr- the tendency to entrap ourselves in our words? What do we do there? Well, the first one is you learn to tell the truth, or at the very least, don't lie. You practice telling the truth about everything. Now, don't be um, a jerk and say you're just telling the truth. You need to be prudent in your speech, but there's a difference between being prudent in your speech and manipulating your words so as to not cause discomfort or anger or angst or frustration in another person. There's a difference between being prudent and setting a trap for yourself, and you know the difference. You know the difference. Speak simply and directly. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be okay with disappointment. We, you and I, we need to learn to be okay with disappointment in order to tell the truth. Again, that's going to come back to allowing people to feel their emotions because they are allowed to feel their emotions and just letting it be okay. You need to practice. I need to practice telling the truth. When you do fall into the trap, the temptation is to continue the lie, to continue the deceit, to continue the vagueness, or to come up with another lie to get out of it. When you fall into the trap, you need to do everything you can to get out of it by telling the truth. You need to go to your neighbor and release your release yourself from that pledge. You need to tell me, like, hey, I just wasn't being honest. I actually don't want to go to that party later, and here's why. I was being dishonest. You need to do everything you can to get out of the trap that you've put yourself in. And you need to do it with gazelle-like intensity, as if your very life was on the line, because it is. Your words and the deceit are chasing you like a lion, and you need to escape it by telling the truth. I promise you, you have to start to understand your words when they are when they become a trap. If you're caught in the words of your mouth, they're coming after you, trying to, to devour your life. That is how the devil gets people. You gotta remember the de- the devil. Satan, who is real, is the father of lies, and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And if he will, he will 
or his minions, however it works, will find a way to take advantage of the lies that you have told to make it take out your life. This is something we have to take very, very seriously. Don't let your words become a snare. Tell the truth, speak simply, speak clearly, and you will find that you, you have some boldness in you, some firm rock, and people will always know that you're telling the truth. Thank you for listening. Again, my name is Keaton Tucker, and this is the Institute of Men podcast.